imagine, like, what if Bluffton became a different place because the church started to live out what she was called to live out? What if she was reminded of who she was supposed to be and we started to live that out? What if we, as God's people here in Bluffton, what if we recaptured our hearts for Jesus and we focused on Him and then we lived out what God is calling us to live out? My friends, the unstoppable church that Jesus is building is built by bringing individuals together so that they would become something new together. That's what we are called to be, to be unstoppable. What's happening, church? Ooh, I'm here. Hello. Anybody need to go get your eardrums checked? Okay. Hey, really glad that you are here. Uh, who is excited about today? So, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I've been waiting for this. Uh, Colts fans, um, you'll be in my prayers today <laughs> since you're out of luck. That's so mean. It's so mean. Hey, I waited on that like three weeks. I waited because I wanted your hearts to heal. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, man. Uh, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be. <laughs> uh, have you. <laughs> this is so funny. Have you ever noticed something ugly in yourself? You ever noticed? <laughs> Since a kid, I, I just I revel in giving Colts fans a hard time. That's that's one of the ugly things in in my heart. Uh, you ever you ever just like had an epiphany, or you just see something in your own life that you're like, ugh. No, just me. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> now this is something more than you know. You like Pepsi over Coke. You know, you've never seen Star Wars movies. Like, it's on a different level. Uh, just this week, I started putting some dots together. Uh, I was, I'm, I'm a very uh, introspective person, I guess. And uh, I was on the road, and, and, and Sarah and I were driving, and I started just having these thoughts. And it started to make sense. My life started to make sense in a, in a very, like, unfortunate way. Um, I, I started to notice that I have this subconscious, I think it's subconscious, aversion to being emotionally uh, dependent on others. And everyone said, oh, <laughs> no sympathy. Okay, uh, this is going to be rough today. Uh, I love you, Colts fans. It's all good. Uh, but I noticed that in, in myself, like when, when people who are supposed to have like this ability in my life to speak into my life, there's this tendency in my, in my heart to nod and, and smile and almost like say, I, what, what, what you are saying like is true. I need to receive that. But at the same time, I already know this. I already know this information and I'm fine. Anybody else there? You, you, maybe you've noticed something uh, ugly in yourself that, that you've had to reckon with. Well, you know, last week we talked about how we need to ask Jesus to turn over the tables in the temple, in our own temple, and, and we as a church, we as individuals, our temple, because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, just like he did in the temple in his day. Well, well, Jesus has been doing that for me this week. I don't know what your week has been like, but uh, sometimes you're, 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 
You go through life and, and I'm so thankful that we have a God who cares so deeply about us that he does not want us to sit in our mess, but he wants to take us to a place beyond that. But in the midst of that, he needs to make us aware of the things that we oftentimes try to hide. Either we try to hide from it, we try to brush it under the rug, or there are things that we just never have just kind of come to terms with because it's so deep inside of us that we've, we've created all kinds of things, all kinds of barriers for us to get to it. Um, you ever been there? You ever noticed something ugly inside of yourself? You see, God cares about us so much that he wants us to flourish. So he wants to meet us in the midst of those difficult things in our lives. He wants to meet us in the midst of the secrets that we have. He wants to meet us in the midst of all the things that uh, wreck us up inside that we never talk about to other people. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to flourish. Uh, so today we're, we're going to be starting into a new theme. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 4. Um, but we're going to be starting a new theme today where I think it's curious. There's this image that God uses when he talks about the church. And it's one word. And that word is family. Family. Now, that's curious to me because I don't know about you, but my family <laughs> has got all kinds of stuff, you know. You, you got a family, got some stuff? You're like, oh, I get another family to have more stuff with, you know? Like, this is great, God, thanks. Just me, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure that's not true. You're just sitting next to them, and you don't want to be like, oh, that's funny, you know? <laughs> Uh, so Galatians chapter four, let me set the, set the stage for it. Uh, Paul, in this letter to the church in Galatia, is dealing with a group of people who came into the church and started to teach them that it has to be, in order to follow Jesus, you have to become Jewish. So it's Jesus and the law of Moses. It's Jesus and circumcision. Now, if you're a Gentile guy, 30 years old, you know, uh, to follow Jesus, you want to follow Jesus, but they say you got to be circumcised. Guys, you know, like that's just, that's, that's some stuff, right? Amen, guys, amen. Can I get amen? I mean, that's the most you've talked in church and you were, you know, said it loud, you know? But that's what they were saying is that in order to follow Jesus, you had to become Jewish. You had to follow all the law of Moses. You had to follow all these rituals and rites and, and, and follow the festivals and the, the calendar and all this stuff in order to follow Jesus. And Paul's saying, hey, uh, in fact, that's not true. In fact, when you try to add something to Jesus, you diminish what Jesus already did because you say he's not sufficient. So when we, when we follow Jesus, it's Jesus and that's it. It's Jesus. And so Paul is, is coming into Galatians 4, and he just got done saying in Galatians 3 that for those of you who are baptized into Jesus Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer male or female. There's no longer slave or free. He's, he's busting down all of the barriers that we as human beings create in terms of status, in terms of value, in terms of all of that. And he's saying in Jesus, when you're baptized into him, you join in with him. So all the benefits that he had with God the Father, you now have with Jesus because of him. And so now because of what God has done, he's done something amazing. And he didn't just save you from your sins, but he did something beyond that. And he said, I'm going to make you a child of mine. So Galatians chapter four, this is what he says in verse one. He says this. Now I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. 
Instead, he is under guardians and trustees until the, until the time set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of the world. Now, that passage is a little bit hard to, to dissect, but you have to kind of read the whole book of Galatians to really get what he's saying. But uh, we're not going to do that right this second. But basically what Paul has been saying, arguing, is that the law was put in place so that we would become aware of our sin so that we would become aware of our sin and our need for him. But I don't know about you, but uh, what, what we see happening with human beings when we, when we come to terms with our sin, oftentimes we don't go to God after we sin. We run from him. We hide from him. We see this from the beginning. And if you grew up in church, you know the story of Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3, that, that Adam and Eve were created, and God said, you can have anything you want in this garden. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's got everything you need. Just don't, don't touch that one tree. And, and you know that the serpent came in and started to tell them, hey, what God, did God really say that? Did God really say that you would die if you took that? Maybe, maybe God's just trying to oppress you. Maybe God's just trying to, uh, to control you. Maybe he doesn't have your best in mind. And these are the kinds of things that we think about, I don't know about you, that we think about when we break God's law. And so we run from him, we hide from him. We say, well, we would never come to him because he's mad at us, he's angry at us, he needs, he wants to have his wrath upon us. That's what we think. And, and if you think about the, the Ten Commandments, right? Like, I believe God gave that to the Israelites for their good. Gave that to us for our good. Would anyone agree that it's good not to murder each other? That's a pretty good idea. Like, that's a, that's a really good idea, right? Don't steal from each other. It just goes well. Like, if you don't steal from other people, like, it just goes better. Life is better. Like, you should get rest, Sabbath. You shouldn't work all the time. Like, any, that's a good idea, right? Uh, if, if God is the creator of all and he loves you and, and the, what's best for you is for you to know him, then the first thing would be for, for you to worship him, right? Like, that wouldn't make sense. It's for your good. But what ends up happening is if you've ever lied, if you've ever hated someone, because Jesus says hate is the same as murder, then, then, then you've broken God's law. But oftentimes what, what God designed for good as a guardian and a trustee over us as children who need to be watched for their good, we've twisted it and we become slaves under the elements of the world. We became slaves of it because instead of running to God after we sin, we run to shame instead. And, and that's what controls us. So then he goes on in verse four and he said this. So we're, we're, we're un, slaves, we're, we're under slavery, we are oppressed under the law. And then he says this in verse four, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. So, so just picture this, right? We're, we're, we're 
like children who are hopeless and helpless, we're in trouble, and we have no ability to get out of the, the mess that we're in. We can't learn enough. We can't do enough. We can't stack up enough good things on our plate so that we would become counted as righteous. We can't do it because we sinned at least once, and that messed it all up. And now because of that, our shame, our guilt, all the things that come with sin is oppressing us down and we have no hope, no deliverer. What are we gonna do? But then God, in his wisdom, in his love, said when the time was completion, was here, Jesus came to be born of a woman, born under the law so that he could enter into our mess. See, see, Jesus is not the one who would stay at the headquarters and send his troops in to deal with the problem. He's the one who goes into behind enemy lines and then he goes in and he delivers us by his own hand. He's the one who comes in because he loves you so much that he was born under the law in our mess so that he could redeem us, so that he could redeem us. And what this tells me is that Many of us, we, we go through life wondering if anyone notices us, wondering if anyone sees us. You, you ever dealt with that? Like you ever dealt with the, the, the kind of ugly stuff in your heart that, that makes you convinced that life is about you? <laughs> and, and you get frustrated because the other person next to you is supposed to love you. They're concerned about themselves too. Right? And so everyone's concerned about themselves and, and everyone feels like no one sees them. You ever, you ever had that happen? Like you, you ever just wish someone would get you? Get you. They would just know you. They would see you in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through. Like you know, like in your life, in my life, we put on faces to get through the day. But don't you really wish someone would see through that? and just see you. My friends, that's what God does. No matter how far you run from him, no matter how much you rebel from him, no matter how much you make yourselves an enemy of his, no matter how many times you run away, he sees you, and he knows you, and he loves you. And he doesn't just stop there, though. He doesn't just see you. He does something for you. He doesn't just stop at seeing you and noticing you, but he goes in and redeems you and me. Through Jesus, he saw us in our plight and said, I'm gonna meet you in the midst of that and I'm gonna take you by your arm and we're gonna walk together and I'm gonna deliver you from under slavery to the law and the elements of the world. Uh, Wells Crowther, uh, this is a guy, he was 24 years old, um, on 9-11. We're coming up to that uh, day here in a couple of days. And, you know, it's a day we remember. We remember what happened. We remember the many people who lost their lives. We remember the, the heroes who went in and gave of their lives for the sake of saving someone else. And Wells Crowther was a 24-year-old equities trader, uh, I believe on the 107th floor of Tower uh, one of the towers, and when, when the plane hit, he immediately called his mom, told her, left a voicemail, said, Mom, I'm okay. 
just want you to know that. I love you, and, and hung up. And the, the Wells was a uh, volunteer fireman as a teenager. And so he sprang into action. He went down to, I believe, the 78th floor where there's kind of an alcove, a lobby area at the, uh, the, his tower at the World Trade Center. And he started to help people. He started to kind of take charge because there was complete chaos. And how many of you know when there's com- complete chaos, what we need is someone to say, hey, this is where we need to go, right here. And so with a, with a red bandana over his mouth, over his nose, he, he gets people up. If you can walk, come and help other people, let's go. And they pointed them to the stairs so that people could get out as he's carrying a woman on his back. And, and people think about, like they, they talk about it after everything had happened and they, they didn't know his name, they didn't know who he was, but they just saw this, this kind of angel, as they called him, with, with a red bandana over him because what ended up happening is that he saved, he helped save about a dozen people on that day. He gave of his life. He went back up the, the stairs countless times and his body was eventually found. He did not make it because he was on his way trying to save more people. Wells Crowther, a, a hero in our country at one of our darkest moments. And every time, I don't know about you, every time I think of someone taking it upon themselves to become a rescuer, to help someone who's in need, to give of their life for the sake of someone else, I can't help but think how much we are created in God's image. How much we are created in God's image because that's exactly what Jesus did. He saw us helpless and hopeless and he came in and he entered into our mess and he climbed the stairs. He put us on his back He put all of our sins on his body and he bore all of that on the cross so that one day we would be able to experience life with the father in the new heavens, the new earth, when he was gonna take away all the pain, all the tears, all the shame, all the guilt, all the things that went wrong in our world. He's gonna take it all away and he's gonna make it into what it was always supposed to be. Jesus saw us in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our shame, in the midst of our guilt. And he said, I love you so much. I'm not just gonna be here with you in the midst of it, but I have the power to do something about it. And he did. And he delivered all of that on the cross. And then he rose again to new life. And then this is, this is the game chair. He didn't even stop there. He didn't say, I'm gonna save you from your sins. And that's it. He said, I'm gonna take you. And because I know that every human being needs to be redeemed, but they also need to experience belonging, belonging. And so then he kind of puts together a supernatural family full of brothers and sisters from different walks of life. And he says, I'm gonna call you my child. I'm gonna bring you into my family. I'm adopting you as my son, as my daughter. You used to be an enemy of mine. You used to rebel against me. You still do. And I am calling you my son, my daughter, my child, because I love you. That's what Jesus did. Imagine the, the relationship. Think about, think about the relationship Jesus has with the Father, especially what we see in the Gospels. What we see in the Gospels is Jesus is always in communion with the Father. He's praying to the Father. He wants everyone to know who the Father is. He wants them to meet his Father. So some of us, we grow up in families where like, 
you weren't excited about people meeting your father. Who is the one person in your world right now that you want everyone to meet? Because they're just that great of a person. Think of anyone, maybe. For Jesus, it was his father. It was his father. He wants everyone to know. That's why he went to the cross, so that we would have relationship with the father. With the father. You know, belonging is really powerful. Um, Sarah and I, when, when we kind of get the kids to bed and we were just kind of exhausted because that's, that's a chore, you know, and uh, we, we, we end up sitting, a lot of times we sit down on the couch, kick back, relax, and we've been watching this show called Blind Spot. Anybody watch that, Blind Spot? Oh, cool. Everyone's gonna get spoiled. Okay, all right, spoilers, spoilers. Um, so so in, this, in this show, um, the main character's brother's name is Roman, okay? And the, the main character and his brother, Roman, or her brother, uh, Jane and Roman, anyway, it's not, needless details. Um, uh, they, they grew up in an orphanage, okay? Uh, they, their parents died and they grew up in an orphanage and this orphanage was not like a regular orphanage, okay? This was a very evil and depraved orphanage because what they were trying to do is create these kids who would become adult soldiers who would be able to kill, who would be able to have their loyalty to the leaders and them alone, not to any nation, and to be able to really just go forth without any kind of uh, emotional baggage because they're just so hardened by the the environments uh, that they have been in. And uh, Roman and his sister got rescued by this lady. They kind of uh, rescued them from the orphanage. And, but then she wasn't much better, okay? She was, she was not much better. She, she really manipulated them all the time, tried to create a loyalty to, to her because she had this big plan. She wanted to kind of take over the world, uh, basically. And uh, they, they were supposed to be loyal to her. Well, some things happened and she got arrested and all this and that. And, and Roman, you think about how many wounds this guy has, right? Has never known his father. The, the mom he knew was manipulative and never loving. It was always transactional and it was always about loyalty and it was never about like any kind of connection on a human level. It was just kind of like he was a machine. And now him and his sister are uh, at odds and he's got no one. And Roman wants to, to kind of take down the guy who started this orphanage and um, he puts together this plan and he ends up, kind of the plan is for him to kind of act as a Trojan horse, to go in and, and rip this family apart from the inside out. Um, and so he, he gets close to the guy who started it and his daughter. Now, the problem is he falls in love with the daughter and the guy who started the orphanage uh, ends up treating Roman like a son. And Roman has been deprived of the sense of belonging, the sense of love, the sense of care for his whole life so much that as soon as he starts to see that, he wants more of it. He, he has moments where he doesn't even care what this guy is gonna do because he's trying to just, again, take over the world. You know, it's dramatic, right? Um, he gets to the point where he's, he's willing to give up his whole plan to be a son, to be loved, you see, belonging is powerful. I think it speaks to all of our deep down innate need of having uh, the love of our parents. And I think that is a sign of our innate need and desire 
to have the love of our heavenly father. Why is fatherlessness in a home so detrimental to the kids who grow up in it? Because it's just so far from what is supposed to be. And it tells me that we have this deep desire to know and to be known by our father. You see, what God has done through Jesus and adopting us into his family is he's telling you you're chosen, you're adored. You don't have to try and earn my love because, because you grew up in a home where, where you had to achieve a certain amount of things. You had to perform uh, enough to be loved. You never got any uh, kind of encouragement or adoration from the people who are supposed to provide that to you. You don't have to do that with God. Your value is not dependent on what you do and how you do it. He loves you so much that he saw you in your sin. He saw you in your mess and he decided to do something about it, to deliver you from that. You see, the God who created everything, all the cells, all the planets, the universe, plants, the hair on your head, the hair that used to be on your head. <laughs> he loves you, little old you, so much that he was willing to send Jesus, his son, to die for you. God came down. Why? Because he cares for you He's saying you're chosen, you're accepted. See, I, I believe our heart yearns for the love of the Father. And this is the game changer right here. This is a theological truth, but it's, a, it's a, just a general truth too that should change everything about the way we view ourselves and the way we view God. In Christ, the heavenly Father looks at you and declares, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. In Jesus he looks at you, he brings you forth in front of all of his friends, in front of all the angels, in front of anyone who means anything. And he says, come, come over here, I wanna show everyone. This is my child, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. You didn't earn it, you don't deserve it, but he loves you in that way that when you surrender to Jesus, you get adopted into his family as his son, as his daughter, and now you get to enjoy the relationship with the heavenly father in the same way that Jesus enjoyed that same relationship. In Jesus, when you are in Christ, when you're baptized into Christ, when you are in Christ, that means you get to be looked at by God the father as he looks at Jesus. And you know, he loves him radically. And the same is true for you. The same is true for you. You see, Jesus' relationship with the Father is now our relationship with the Father. He cares for you and he wants you to flourish. Those things that you see that are ugly inside of yourself, he wants to work with you in that. He wants to take those things away, but we have to offer them up. We have to let him in. And too often times, because of our earthly father, either uh, involvement or lack of involvement, it messes with our view of the heavenly father. We all have different kinds of baggages. Even if your, your family was awesome, you still, they still messed you up in some ways, right? You know, like they just did. 
They're sinners, you know? I'm messing my kids up every day, y'all. I mean, it's just reality. And I know that they're gonna have wounds because of that. But you know what? I know that they have a heavenly father who is perfect, who will never leave them, never forsake them, never mess up, never not see them. See, I, I'm kind of convinced that, that maybe most of us, uh, we, we need to ask God to enter our wounds, enter our ugliness, because he's the God who not only deals with our sin, but he wipes away our tears. He is. He cares about you so very much. I believe many of us, if we gave ourselves enough time to think about it, and maybe this is just me, uh, and I'm just gonna put it all out there, but I think that we're all in the same boat here is if we had the opportunity, if we really thought about it, if we really had some time to just push away the noise in our world, if we had the opportunity, if someone said, hey, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to go back to when you were a kid and, and to have your dad be by your side. Now, maybe it's the dad that you did have or maybe it's the dad you didn't have, the dad you always wanted, to go back and spend some time with your dad as a child as someone who doesn't have everything figured out, as someone who can be innocent and, 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 just, and just care about the fact that your dad is there. Like when I walk, walk into the house, uh, I didn't do anything other than open the door and my kids light up. It's amazing. I, I don't know why they do it because I mess up all the time, but they're like, daddy, daddy, daddy. And the boys are like, you know, like they don't say daddy, daddy yet, but the girls are like, daddy, daddy. And they give me hugs and, and the boys are like, you know, they do that kind of thing. And, and it's just awesome. It's a great feeling. And then I think about myself and, and I'm like, okay, Heavenly Father, you are my father. You're my Abba Father, Daddy. Daddy. Deep down, we all want to go back to those points where we are so innocent and that we love our parents so much that we, we don't know their, their stuff, right? They, we don't know all the things that they've got, their issues. We just see them as the ones who care about us and, and, and that's it. What if we got to that point with our Father in heaven? What if we got to the point where we were just able to be vulnerable and got over ourselves, got over our own pride, got over our own arrogance, got over our own stuff that keeps us in the way of really step, truly stepping into a relationship with our heavenly father, praying to him all the time, taking our, our deepest, darkest kind of uh, yearnings and longings and secrets, going to him and saying, God, daddy, you are amazing. I think that we all have this deep desire to know our God, to know our heavenly father. Why? Because it's hardwired in us. It's there. And if you don't know him, then your life is not whole. It's just not. And when we sin against God and we don't have Jesus taking that sin on himself, we have a broken relationship, not only with God, but with ourselves. See, I think truly we all need our daddy our Abba Father, our Heavenly Father. So what if we knew him like that? See, I, if, if you're here today and, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't know God as your Father, then I wanna give you an opportunity to, 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 to start a conversation, to see that be changed. Because God's waiting on you. He loves you radically. He adores you as his son, as his daughter. He wants to have you in his family. 
And yes, the family, like it's, it's gonna be messed up because guess what? Look around, that's your brothers and sisters. You know, that's what's on the table, you know? <laughs> We're gonna have some issues. But, but you have, we all have a heavenly father who loves us radically. If you've never given your life over to Jesus and experienced God the Father as your father, then now's your time. You can have your life be utterly changed by knowing him. Paul said, for those of you who have been baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. When you go into the waters of baptism and come up a new creation, you know what that new creation is? You're a son, a daughter of the most high God. And that's a game changer. That's a game changer. Another thing for those of you who have made that decision, who are trying to walk in that, who are, who are asking God to move in me so that I can become even more of what you want me to be. Uh, I, I'd encourage you with two things, to immerse yourself in community. We were meant to belong to someone, to a group, and it's called the church, the family of God. For, for many of you, uh, you're starting community groups this week. Many of you are starting today. I'm just so excited for you because you are going to put feet on this idea of the family of God. You're gonna be able to walk with your brothers and sisters in Christ and, and lean on your heavenly father together. And it's gonna be a beautiful thing. I'm so excited for you, for those of you who are in community groups. For those who are not, there's still time to get signed up. There's still ways to get signed up. Just look in your bulletin, uh, use your connection card, say, I'm interested in community groups. We'll get you in this week, Okay because God wants you to be in community. And the last thing I would say is that we need as God's people to immerse ourselves in God's word. You know, too often times we, act, we, 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 we live life not knowing who our father is. Why do we not know who our father is? Because we don't spend time reading God's word where he's revealed himself to us. We have to spend time in it. It's, it's, it's a book that he writ, wrote for you, living, active, breathing, so you would know him. And then just ask, just, just start to pray to him, God, search my heart, know me. And start to share all the different stuff that's in your heart. Because we all got some stuff, right? If you ain't nodding your head, you're in denial. <laughs> Person next to you would gladly say, you got some stuff. <laughs> I got some stuff. <laughs> I got some stuff, y'all. I got some stuff because he's scared to say it. Like, what's up with that? <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Church, would you stand? We're going we're gonna to pray and, and sing out to our awesome God who transformed us from slaves under sin, slaves of fear and shame and guilt to children of his. Let's pray.